Welcome to another episode of Rebels Rewind. I'm Kellen, and there's a lot of Rebels stuff to get to today. Uh, Jake, you're at the Rebels women's soccer semifinal match this past weekend. Do you want to talk about that a bit? Yeah, sure. So, unfortunately, the Rebels women's soccer team dropped out in the semifinals following a 3U loss to the Providence University College Pilots. Michaela Meyer, the leading goal scorer in the league during the regular season, carried that well into the playoffs, scored a hat trick, including two goals early in the second half that really just took any chance of a comeback or a win just right out of the Rebels' sails. And a big thing for this was the absence of Ashley Patterson, who really held Meyer in check in the team's two matches with the Pilots earlier in the season. Yeah, and it was funny because I was at the Providence and uh, Red River College. They actually played on Saturday, uh, seven days ahead of the playoff game. And it, I had to look for Michaela Meyer at times. She wasn't that noticeable. Funny enough, she ended up scoring the only goal in the one nothing win. But the Rebels did a very good job at shutting her down. And I talked to um, Doug Lowry after the game, and he said that they, uh, they did a good job of keeping her in check. And it, just an unfortunate ending to their season. Yeah, and I was also at the semifinal match, and all all that was noticeable was Michaela Meyer in that game. She had like three breakaway chances, two of them resulted in goals. She was just all over the place, and the Rebels had no answer for her. And yeah, like I believe Jake talked to Lowry after the game, the head coach, and he said not having Ashley Patterson was a big reason for that. Mm-hmm. And Patterson, like to give you a bit of a context for her, she was named herself and teammate Kiza Balzer were the two rebels named to the all-conference team for the women no men were named to the all-conference team for the men's side of the MCAC season and then coach Doug Lowry was named the MCAC women's coach of the year prior to the playoff kickoff so it like it's nice that they were honored for their work but it sucks that especially with one of them missing they couldn't get it done in the playoffs yeah I just want to correct one of the names there it's Kaziah Balzer just in case she listens Sorry. Um, but also, she cool story with her is she was actually on CMU last year and transferred over. So CMU won last year, so she had that championship experience. But again, the bench was too short for the Rebels to really get anything going. Yep. So in the finals, though, PUC lost 2-0 to the University de St. Boniface Rouges. Uh, Stephanie Jones was named the MVP of the playoffs. I believe she had a hat trick in the first half of their semifinal match against the BU Bobcats. Wow. Mm-hmm. So you talk about an offense, like she really turned it on. She only had two goals, I believe, in their whole regular season. So she really came alive in the playoffs. Yeah, I talked to USB head coach Justin Lagare, and he said that Stephanie was dealing with a lot of injuries all season, and it wasn't really until the end of the season in playoffs where she was finally fully back to health, and it really showed on the weekend. Mm-hmm. So the soccer season is now over, though. We look forward to the basketball and volleyball seasons coming up over the winter. With two, two of those teams will be defending MCAC titles, the basketball men's basketball team and the women's volleyball team. Yeah, and I believe Nick talked to the basketball head coaches and has some info on that. Yeah, I'll have a season uh, preview out soon on the projector. And um, head coach of the men's team, Scott Kirkpatrick, the men, they took the MCAC championship last year he's looking forward to this season and looking forward to players like Mark Ridd who's uh what Kirkpatrick calls the best rebounder in the whole league and then they also have new recruits like Frankie Tochi who um who's actually uh Kirkpatrick coached back when he was at Maples High School 
and he's a, a six seven forward and then Kirkpatrick describes him as an incredible athlete shot blocker so guys like those uh players are hoping or who Kirkpatrick hopes that can take this team the distance in the and NIAC uh championship where the rebels came up short mm-hmm. last season mm-hmm. and then as for the women's they they're looking to have a much better season this year they uh they lost in the early rounds of the playoffs last year in the MCAC, so they're going to be looking to uh, get their season off strong uh, this weekend, which the action kicks off on Friday or on Saturday, sorry, and no Friday, sorry, the action kicks off on Friday and continues on Saturday for both teams. Yeah, and volleyball starts this weekend as well, so we're gonna soccer ends in basketball and volleyball start, so right. we'll have a lot going and on. You there. talked about teams that wanted a bounce back season. The men's volleyball team only had two wins last year. They're definitely gonna be looking to yeah. improve on that. Yeah, and they're without league MVP Josh Goose Golson from last year, so we'll see if they got any new recruits that can help the team be better. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's enough of the Rebels stuff. I think we caught everyone up there. Uh, we were all at the Bomber game this weekend, and what a game! Yeah, Zach Caleros. Mm-hmm. That's all I can say. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I know a few of the fans, a couple rows down from us, were really enjoying the game. Yeah, it was a season finale. It was a good time. Cheap uh, beer. Yeah, yeah, that definitely factored in. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, the Bombers, they have new life now going to the playoffs. The playoffs mm-hmm. begin in two weeks now, and they have a legitimate shot. They're going to be on the road most likely, but with Zach Caleros now looking like his old self, you never know. It's, it's really interesting, too. I think there's, out of the six teams going to the playoffs, there's a legitimate case for all six. Maybe Edmonton has a pretty weak case, but all six teams could win the Great Cup this year. So they're going to be on the road likely. Most likely, it's going to be in Calgary, so that'll make yes. three straight matchups against Calgary. How much do you, Nick, you know a lot about the CFL. Yeah. You talk about it constantly. How much would you? How much do you think it's going to factor in having two straight matches against the against each other? Well, they'll be able. To, they just know each other inside and out. Mm. Well, the thing about that too is it's definitely advantage Bombers in that case because you get fami- familiarity with play calling and different coverages. But the Stamps had zero preparation for a Zach Caleros offense prior to Friday, and now they only have one game of film on Caleros and his tendencies. And Paul Apelice is tends to uh the offensive coordinator tends to pull some rabbits out of his hat with his offensive uh scheme so i'm sure la police will have a lot more looks for caleros if the bombers do travel to calgary and the stamps didn't really have an answer for caleros where uh, as the bombers defense did okay against bo levi mitchell it was the typical bend but don't break uh bo i think he threw three touchdown passes on friday but they stopped him when they needed to and caleros drove down the field when he needed to so It'll be it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, and how beneficial do you think this act, like basically a bye week for the Bombers? Like they don't play this week, Calgary does. Do you think that's a benefit for the Bombers? Yeah, and again, like I, we're all assuming here that Caleros is going to be the starter. Uh, the status of Chris Trevler is still uncertain, and Michael Shea is a very loyal head coach. It's been his number one trait throughout his time here in Winnipeg. So does O'Shea possibly go with Streveler? Is there a chance? I don't think he can. I think you go with Caleros, but I do think he still puts in Streveler in situations with like run options and stuff like that. Like you're gonna see both of them. Yeah, and it's again, it's still uncertain that Streveler is even healthy yeah. enough to suit up. Which, but yeah, I agree. Many people are saying start Caleros and use Streveler in specific packages to kind of. Uh, mess up the timing with Calgary's defense, which could be very effective. You know, you saw Strebler, uh at Calgary a couple weeks ago. He ran the ball 
until he could no more and it's it banged him up pretty good but it was effective yeah and having both options is just just gonna keep the calgary defense guessing the whole game right so yeah i don't know so predictions for you guys how about this go great cup great no? cup predictions yeah, great cup we'll go to the finals because it's it's very wide open it's gonna be hamilton from the east yeah i agree i pick like, out of a hat it's <laughs> so tight i i'm gonna i want to pick the bombers but i think i'm gonna go with hamilton saskatchewan yeah, I agree. And I know, Jake, you said that, what, two weeks ago on our podcast? I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, and I think now that uh, Saskatchewan's probably going to have that first round bye, they'll yeah. get that They'll get that rest. And we talked about how important it is for the Bombers. It's going to be just as important for the Rough Riders. Mm-hmm. And they'll be able to take advantage of it. And, yeah, Hamilton, they're going to be playing one of Montreal or the Eskimos. And those two teams, they've been good this year, but they aren't in the same category yeah. as the Hamilton, Cats. Hamilton just took it to Montreal on yeah. Saturday mm-hmm. too and it just shows like their offense with Dean Evans and Brandon yeah. Banks and Luke Tasker now and Braylon Addison and all those guys they're just they're too much to handle mm-hmm. I think regardless Hamilton has taken it this year but. yeah I agree too it's theirs to lose for sure although then there's there's the Calgary Stampeders who time and time again find a way and the, mm-hmm. the Great Cup is in Calgary this year so yeah. if they get to the Great Cup it's, it's a home game for them yeah. so it's like it's just wide open and i'm really excited for the playoffs it'll be interesting just interesting to see what happens in the playoffs but i know at the end of the season awards start coming out and the nominees just came out and i know some of us aren't happy about that yeah so mike miller is the bombers uh uh, most outstanding canadian this season he's uh he's if you guys don't know who mike miller is (laughs) He's he's a very serviceable. He's one of the actually the all time best uh, special teams players. But he does. I think he's maybe seen, if I had to guess, twenty offensive snaps this season. Whereas Andrew Harris is undoubtedly the CFL's best running back. So it, it's going to stir up some controversy for sure. Oh yeah. All right. I'm going to transfer us from the CFL over to the NFL though, because we're just past the trade deadline in the NFL, and it was a huge letdown. The actual day was a letdown. Yeah. There were, there were some big moves before then. The Emmanuel Sanders trade. I think that one's big. Yeah. Because the Niners don't really have that number one. Like, they have Kittle at tight end, but they don't have a number one, really. So mm-hmm. I think getting Emmanuel Sanders in that offense, yeah. a team that's already still undefeated, like, they're just getting better. Yeah, there was a keep to leave to the Dolphins, Leonard Williams to the Giants, yeah. Kenyon Drake to the Cardinals, Michael Bennett to the Cowboys, Muhammad Sanu to the Patriots because they definitely needed him of all the teams. <laughs> um, but, but for yeah, sorry, no. Um, I like the Leonard Williams trade was kind of weird to me because like, why are the Giants buying at the deadline? And it's the first ever trade between the Giants and the Jets within New York. So I just thought yeah. that was a cool situation too. Yeah, if you found that one weird, then I want to hear what you think about Akeem Talib going to the Dolphins. That makes <laughs> poor zero dude. sense. Yeah. Poor dude. And why are the Dolphins trading for him too? Like they're in um, full rebuild. Yeah. And how about Lincoln Fitzpatrick, too, speaking about Dolphins uh, cornerbacks? Yeah, I maybe. love that yeah, trade Yeah, a little right revenge now. game on Monday against the Dolphins. I have to say, um, I did hear, I've heard a possible reason for the Leonard Williams trade, and it kind of goes back to a trade we saw earlier involving a New York team in the year with Marcus Stroman going to the Mets. It's more of a long, They apparently the Giants, they want to see if Williams is a long-term fit because that's kind of, their defense has definitely been their weakness this year, like, Compared to their offense, which is kind of, they haven't won many games, but their offense is still a competent in the majority of games they've played. Their defense has not, and it's almost cost them multiple times. So getting 
okay. Williams in there and having him potentially be a difference maker for more than just eight games, that would be huge for the Giants. Yeah, and there was also one trade that didn't happen, but I really thought it was. Uh, Jamal Adams, safety at the, of the Jets. It was rumored he was going to be going to Dallas. Dallas has been searching for a safety for, like, ever. Mm-hmm. It just didn't happen, but I know him and Le'Veon Bell were both on the block that day, and none got dealt. I feel like every New York Jet was on the block that yeah. day. Yeah. <laughs> if your name if your name wasn't Sam Darnold, people were looking into you. But I don't know. There's so many teams now that there's holes in their rosters, and they don't have ways to fill them unless teams cut players. So, what do you do now if you're a team like Dallas, where you have a hole at safety? If you're a team oh. like the Steelers, where your quarterback is good but not great well this, i don't think those teams can really do anything like dallas has ran with this defense their defense is still much better than it has been in the past there's a weakness there but i think their offense is good enough to get them through those games too and then like the Steelers, like you're not going to find an nfl starting quarterback at this time in the season so you just got to hope mason rudolph grows into the position but yeah but you could give so some help. the nationals are world series champions just kidding. It's way we're we're filming we're, we're recording on Wednesday, but I like the Nationals tonight in Game Seven. So I do too. Scherzer versus Granke. Give me Scherzer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it. Yeah. I don't know. Has it been confirmed yet if Scherzer's the starter? Well, he's going. Um, I think so. Personally, like, I think the big thing is I think they probably sh- I think the Astros should have swapped Granke and Cole. So I think it should have been Granke going for Game Five on the road and then Cole tonight. That's an interesting take. But yeah. Granky went game three. So I don't think you would have been. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Like in a game seven situation, yeah. you want Cole Scherzer. Like but. I know I know what the plan was. Obviously, the plan was you win with Cole on the road and then Justin Verlander comes home and shuts it down. Mm-hmm. But that didn't happen last night. And on the other end, Strasburg was yeah. stupidly good. Five and zero oh in the playoffs now. But I don't know. I don't know why Houston thought Justin Verlander would shut the door when he <laughs> never has in his career. But. Well, yeah, and then going back to the pitching, the Nats kind of got lucky in a sense, well, more fortunate in a sense that they're still alive because Max, Max Scherzer did miss that game five start, and that's the only reason why he is starting today. And I, I would imagine initially the plan would have been probably a guy like Patrick Corbin or Anibal Sanchez yeah. to go tonight to start versus Granky, and then Cole and um, Scherzer would be available out of the bullpen which we've seen a lot with your elite starting pitchers and game seven scenarios coming out of the bullpen for about two three innings so yeah and i think i think a main reason why i'm rooting for the nationals this year is well they're a new team like haven't really had much success but i really like juan soto and yesterday after bregman hit that home run and carried the bat to first base soto does it right back yeah, that's, awesome. that's the best way to get back at him. And a lot of people are saying throw at Bragman, but Soto hits an absolute bomb. Like that, yeah. I, I, don't know, I don't think that ball's landed yet. That, no. You, you didn't see it land on the television. You didn't, no. That was, yeah, that was a moonshot. So. And his reasoning for carrying the bat, he was like, oh, he, I saw him do it. I thought it was cool, so I yeah. did it. Juan Soto doesn't care. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't as his uh, his reactions at the plate are... <laughs> his, uh, or, they're pretty good. We get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I won't lie. When I was wa- I watched the first parts of that game, when I saw it was uh, like two one after one, Astros kind of had the crowd into it. I kind of thought, okay, this is the end of the World Series. That kind of sucks. Nationals, good job. You played hard. And then they just came out and did that. And also, we had a, for the first time since 1996, we had a manager <laughs> ejected from a World Series game. 
<laughs> yeah, that base. I don't. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, and he Dave Martinez lost his mind too after uh, the Nats did get. I would say they got screwed by the call. Not not according to Kate Upton, but no. Oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> she knows. She knows everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. But who was it? Who's the umpire? Like the main umpire there? He like looks over like the head umpire guy. Whatever his name is. I don't know. Who cares? I don't whatever. Know name, yeah. Anyways, Trey Turner, like the guy that got called out for interfering on that play he was running back and he like yelled at him he's like why are you hiding and so we'll see if anything <laughs> comes of that but yeah and then anthony rendon hits a bomb to silence or make everybody forget about that controversy how much money is anthony rendon gonna make next year he's a, a free lot. agent yeah and the nats need him back they just lost their big fish and bryce harper last off season so i don't think they can All afford the again to lose mm-hmm. their big hitter who was so they're gonna build around soda, but Rendon's like a nice one two punch in the mm. middle of their lineup, so he's gonna get a big ticket. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. So who what do you think? Do you think we get extra innings tonight? What do you think? How do you think tonight's game goes? Um I'm taking Nats in a close one. I'm gonna go with five four. Oh my god. <laughs> Nats five four is my prediction too, yeah. Not an extras, just straight up. I'm going to say Nats 4-2. I think uh, Scherzer, if Scherzer goes, Scherzer is going to hold the Astros down a bit. Yeah, and yeah, and then you're going to probably have uh, Corbin and Sanchez and those guys available for the Nats and, oh, and yeah. their relievers like Daniel Hudson. So. And don't do what the Dodgers did like when they sent out Clayton Kershaw in the last <laughs> game because you know how sending out a starting pitcher that's worn down is going to hurt you. Don't do that, Nationals. Well, I think. Well, then, what do you think about Gar- Garrett Cole is going to be available for the Astros? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. He's going to he's going to go out there. Everyone's available. Yeah. Well, Verlander, Strasburg, but like but, everyone else is fair game. Yeah. So that goes like Cole is going to be in the situation that Kershaw was in. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I if you're going to you. go down, I, I go down with my best guys. I'm not, I don't mm-hmm. fault the Dodgers for throwing out Kershaw. Like he's your best pitcher, and if you're going to lose with him, then. Tip your cap to the team that beat you. I so. do though, because the Dodgers had some fantastic closers in their. Like Kenley Johnson, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess what moving to hockey now is. Yeah, let's end it off with yeah. some hockey. Um, let's start with the so the Heritage Classic was this past weekend. The Jets got the two-one win, big comeback. But the story really is the Lowry hit. He got two games there, and I know not everyone here agrees. Hey, Nick. Yeah, I was I was stunned by the decision. Uh, I, I want to get Jake's thoughts on this before. All right. Well, first off, I'm going to disagree with you, Callum. The story of the game was the Heritage Classic. It was a great time, <laughs> great event. Mosaic Stadium is beautiful. I know you've been there multiple times. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. And the way they, and the way they rebuilt it, like you had the flyover, all that. It was a fantastic time. The Lowry suspension. So, first off, and I think Nickel could see this. Anyone would really concede this. Hockey discipline has hardly been consistent. Like we've seen. Yep questionable plays we've seen questionable plays this season where guys haven't gotten suspended for stuff that they probably should have but with the Lowry suspension so you have to look for mitigating factors too and I know Callan you mentioned earlier that you don't really agree with injuries being considered a mitigating factor mm-hmm. in con- especially when it was determined that Lowry did have intent to injure he wasn't injured though he came right back Oliver Shillington came right back on the ice didn't miss any time at all and he did have the puck in his feet. So he was technically the active player. Like he was, if it was a clean hit, it would have been nothing. Like he was the active guy. Personally, what I was more surprised at during the game was that it wasn't a five-minute boarding major instead of a two-minute call. 
Like I was, I was when I was watching, I was like, oh, they're going to the power play for five minutes. Oh boy! And then it was just no, it was just two. And I was like, really? Yeah. Like and that was surprising. But yes, Nick, please continue. First off, it's in hockey. The timing of the hit, I think, mattered too. The timing that there was one second ish remaining when he made contact. Mm-hmm. He's two hundred feet from his net, mm-hmm. and it's sort of an unwritten rule that if. There's a, less than a second left, or just periods winding down that you just don't even make that hit. So that was uh, that was a problem I had too. And it, the Jets were down one nothing at the time. Frustrations kicking in. Mm-hmm. That I think like definitely played a factor with Lowry. He just mm-hmm. kind of lost his mind for a second. But I thought it was it. It was a borderline charge. He left or he started really gearing up his feet uh, before the goal line, mm-hmm. and then um, the, the Shillington was along the boards mm-hmm. it was definitely from behind it was i thought it was yeah there's no argument yeah, there it was there was just not necessary to even hit him and it wasn't mm-hmm. an, it wasn't a case where he was turning he was pinning against the boards with a mm-hmm. defender already on him mm-hmm. i believe it was cop on him if yeah. i'm not mistaken yeah so th- mm-hmm. there's that there was it wasn't direct head contact but he definitely contacted his head and i thought it was just i think it was i think it was yeah. more he when he hit him his head went into the boards yeah it was just such mm-hmm. the, he, the it's very fortunate that he didn't get injured on the yeah. play but it could have been a lot worse yes like i think two i think two games maybe a little low i don't think i don't think it should have gone to 5 cuz that's where you get mm. into stuff that's really like i thought really it was dangerous bad. like that's that stuff where we bad. get where like tom wilson last year where can't remember who it was he hit one of the players on the st louis blues in a preseason game and that was bad like that's a real problem and i don't know like i think maybe three games would have been more reasonable where he misses an entire road trip but and either way larry i believe it's his third suspension i know he got yes he has he got a one game suspension back in 2016 for a play sort of similar to this although there were less mitigating there were more mitigating factors there such as the player didn't even like lie down on the ice it was more just uh mm-hmm. he hit him in and also in that one unlike with shillington the player it was a wild player but i can't remember who it was just off the top of my head he directly turned into it and made it worse for himself which is always a huge mitigating factor and then he had the two game suspension last year for a high stick on johansson and i believe didn't johansson have a high stick earlier on shifley in the year that got a suspension? that was uh, I want to say it was Philip Forsberg. Oh, yes, it was Forsberg. Forsberg, yeah. Okay, so we can look forward to Winnipeg-Nashville games as always, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I don't know. To me, that hit just boils down. It's it's an unnecessary decision <laughs> that he can think about before making that hit. There, he had tons of time mm-hmm. to let up. He knows the period's ending. He charge it's, it's borderline charge that's another thing I have an issue with, but it's just an unnecessary decision, and it mm-hmm. could have had a very bad outcome. Mm-hmm. So... I would have uh, I, I, at least five. I even initially said ten. So I think it ten, was ten. I think it was that bad. Yeah, I think no you're going way. a bit far. All right, right. but Lowry <laughs> was hardly the biggest news though in the Central Division this week. We had three major injuries and a major signing. I think Nick, you want to talk about this major signing first? Yeah, though. yeah. Roman Nos- R- Roman Yossi. <laughs> Roman Yossi is back in Nashville for eight years with a seventy-two point four million dollar deal. It's a terrific deal that sets mm-hmm. up their captain to play the rest of his career with the Predators, and he's having a breakout year. Well, not a breakout year, but he's having a career year mm-hmm. so far in terms of points, and he's officially the leader of this team. And I, I don't 
maybe towards the end. I know it's a front-loaded contract, but maybe towards the end it could become a bad contract. But that's something you got to worry about five plus years down the road. So. And like sometimes you ha- and you do have to. It's a negotiation. You have to give up some stuff. Yeah. To get this guy long term, because not having Yossi on your roster, that's a that would be a huge loss for the Predators. And I know they're doing fine without Subban right now. But if you lose another guy, then that's a problem. Yeah, and just to go back about Subban, Dante Fabro is having a terrific year, and he's playing where Subban used to play with Matthias Ekholm, and that's a big reason to why the Predators are having success. And now, just even expanding on that too, you got a guy like Matt Duchesne who really balances out their roster. There's no one one line with Nashville, and if they're not going, they're not going as a team. It's now two solid lines with two good centermen, so Nashville looks yeah. very good this season. Well, and the Predators gave Yossi a full no-movement clause too, something the team doesn't do often. Often, so yeah. obviously you know they're buying all the yeah. way on him right? well, yeah he's committed to nashville i know he just got married and he's he's from switzerland but he actually got married in nashville over the summer so and nashville selling down and nashville is a good spot to be right now they've won four in a row the second hottest team in the league behind the new york islanders like they're and they're chasing right behind the Colorado avalanche for top in the central i know it's very early but they're doing good but on that topic the central division's kind of been a bit shaky this year yeah, and it's unfortunate now, too, because uh, Biko Rantanen went down for the Avalanche, and, and now Gabriel Landeskog, too. Yeah, so that's interesting. Like, And they're them and the Predators are definitely the two most impressive teams in the Central right now. And then you go to St. Louis, who I think is currently their record is better than what they've been. Like, they have their only, they're second in the league in overtime losses, which has definitely buoyed their point total. And they also, they've lost Tarasenko for five months. That's almost the rest of the year. Yeah, that's a huge loss for them. Yeah. He's their best offensive player in my mind. So mm-hmm. those three injuries in general just weaken the division. Mm-hmm. So, so it gives it does give opportunities for, I would say, Winnipeg and Dallas to climb up. I don't like, I don't think Chicago and Minnesota, I think they're going to kind of stay around where they are. They're kind of what they are. They're yeah. not great. Like they're kind of. Yeah. Like Win- Winnipeg and Dallas, they have some issues they need to fix. Winnipeg on its back end, Dallas with scoring that isn't their top line or Rupe hints. Like, yeah, I, I miss Red Chicago this year. I know that, mm-hmm. and I, like I, on my on my fantasy team, I have Duncan Keith and Jonathan Taze, and they have been very quiet. Yeah, you know, Patrick like, Kane's carrying last the night. The they got out, last but. night. They got shut out by Nashville. Yeah, the shots are fifty to nineteen too in that game. Yeah, like, Jesus. Yeah. So um, they're the only two team. The only team those two teams are ahead of right now are the Los Angeles Kings and the Kings are another team we've expected to see towards the bottom of the West. Yeah, but um, I think we have to talk about uh, uh, what's his Svechnikov. Svechnikov. What's his first name? Andre. Andre. <laughs> that was like synchronized. Always. Um, yeah, his goal last night, like lacrosse style, that was unreal. Just stunned David Riddick. Yeah, and it's but it's about time that goals happen in the NHL. <laughs> yeah, we've seen it. Yeah. In, we've seen it in junior and like the European leagues, and it's always like great, and it's always like whoa. But now we see a guy who's a second overall pick from last year just do it and do it like seamlessly for the game-winning goal in a one-one yeah. game. Like that's excellent. Is this something that's going to become more common than in the NHL? Uh, well, it would definitely be more. I think it's going to become more common with younger players. Like I don't think we're going to see it from anyone like. Even like someone as old as Philip Forsberg, I don't think we're really going to see it from him. He, no, he tries that a lot. Actually, okay. that's, that's mm-hmm. actually really funny that you bring yeah. him up because he tries that about five times a year at least. Okay, let me yeah. rephrase that. Another guy. Uh, <laughs> I, okay, here I don't think I'm going to see. We're going to see it from like a guy Cosby. like on the other side of the ice, like Elias Lindholm, a younger guy. But I think he's still kind of above that. He still has kind of like that more older hockey mentality where it's 
more set up style for the goals, mm-hmm. like getting the set plays, and they do still work, obviously. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think we're gonna see these more guys from guys like maybe Gaudreau, Forsberg, guys that are younger, guys that have more of that confidence skill. right now. Yeah. That's skill, yes. Like yeah, I don't think we're not gonna see this from a guy like like older guys like Crosby or Ovechkin. Yeah, and yeah. we're not gonna yeah. see, and we're not gonna see this from a guy like Andrew Cop, like he's yeah. younger, but he's a yeah. third liner. Like we're yeah. gonna see. But yeah, I'd love to see more of those goals, and it was fantastic. And I love it. And Carolina just keeps on rolling. I believe they're currently second in the Metro. Yeah, second in the Metro, just behind the red hot Washington Capitals. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be, they're a fun team, and Shvechnikov is a fun player to watch. I still can't point my finger why Tuus Carolina is doing so well. I just, I see a lot of holes in their goaltending and yeah. just depth. The Bruins picked apart their depth mm-hmm. last year in the playoffs. Well, it's their defense is really good. Mm-hmm. Their yeah. defensive depth is nothing to sneeze at. And, I don't know. There are like we've seen teams in the past that are way better in the regular season than the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Well, Carolina, they mm-hmm. they had a really good playoff run. That's really when they became yeah. like uh, they really opened themselves up to the, mm-hmm. to the NHL. And yeah, but I think when they track. came up against a real hardcore team in the Boston Bruins, it just kind of like they played the New York Islanders, who were kind of a bit shaky. Like they were fully reliant on their defensive efforts when they fell to face a team that matched that they weren't great and then washington like like a double game seven overtime that could have gone either way mm-hmm. so i think that wraps it up for yeah. this episode we'll uh, be we'll be back in two weeks we'll check in on how the rebels basketball and volleyball teams start the season we'll have results from world the, series from the world, world series, series and the bomber game yeah well the yeah the cfl playoffs will be i believe the first round will be over yeah after uh that so we'll know so we'll how the bombers did yeah we'll see who they're playing next just kidding <laughs> maybe not but knock on wood <laughs> yeah. and we'll see we'll be two more weeks into the season we'll likely have updates on some injuries i believe a few jets will be back including nathan Beaulieu and patrick line who didn't play last night but mm-hmm. yeah that'll be We'll be at roughly at the quarter mark of the NHL season. That's where we really have an idea of who's who. NBA news, too. NBA's just kicking off, too. So yeah. we'll be getting into the NBA season, have more mm-hmm. to talk about there. Maybe we can bring in resident basketball expert Eric Antonio to talk about it. We could. Well, if you want to see if we can, you'll have to be there in two weeks. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. How's that for a sales pitch? All right. We'll see you then. See ya. Okay.